Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Falling in love with your survival. Life is full of painful experiences, and the key is how we show up for ourselves and thrive. Erica Oli is the host of Sir Thrival Diaries podcast. She's also an entrepreneur, TV journalist, mother, American expat, animal lover, gluten-free baker, travel enthusiast, and a bookworm. She's passionate about personal growth and discovery, as well as the mind-body connection and integrative health. She's currently training to be a coach and a hypnotherapist and is writing her book. In today's episode, we talk about relationships, suicide, what does it mean to love yourself unconditionally, and so much more. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today, we have a beautiful guest, Erica. Welcome. Thank you, Corinne, so much for having me. Yeah. I always start at the podcast asking you what your love story is. When did you fall in love with yourself and the work that you're doing in the world? I love that question. And I would say it happened in stages. I don't know if that's an answer you get a lot, but for me, it definitely (laughs) didn't happen all at once. Um, I would say there were like three major events in my life that, that, helped me develop love for myself. And uh, two of them involved like being able to finally stand up for myself in a situation that wasn't serving me. And uh, the first one was leaving my ex-husband, who was a sex addict. And I loved him very much. And it was very hard to leave, but the dynamics were not healthy. And even though I loved him at the time, I made the cho- the choice to choose myself. And I would say that was one of the biggest steps that I had ever taken up until that point to really choose myself because I was always choosing everybody else, always putting myself last. And um, I now have two daughters. After my second daughter was born, she's eight Um, basically 10 days after her birth, I started having a lot of weird health trouble, like my head was spinning and all these very weird symptoms. And no doctors knew what was going on. I mean, looking back, I think it was my body's way of like screaming, like, hello, (laughs) something is not right here. You know, you need to pay attention. You're going too fast, doing too much. And I, I, at the time was working at a company that I had uh, founded um, with my ex-husband. And it was a very unhealthy situation for me because there was a lot of feelings involved, my anger towards what had happened between us, plus that residual love that probably never goes away because I don't really think you ever really stop loving somebody um, completely. Um, And you might not be in love with somebody, but there will always be some remains of love. And that was, I think it was very destructive for me to remain in that in that setting. And at the same time, it was very hard for me to leave the business that was like my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't able to keep going. So that was, I guess, the second time that I chose myself and stood up for myself. And in doing that, 
developed greater love for myself and appreciation of my needs. And I would say the third, like final step, which really allowed me to really strengthen the love I had for myself was my mom's death. And she committed suicide five years ago. And it was obviously earth shattering for me. I mean, I say there was like my life before that happened and my life after it happened. And for the first like year or two, I honestly didn't know how I would go on and how I would survive. But I did a lot of very deep soul searching. I looked at the scariest parts of myself, the darkest parts of myself and faced my biggest fears. And in doing so, I realized how much strength was inside me and how much healing power I had and how much control really I had to heal myself and be kind to myself and love myself. And it, I learned to do even small things every day that showed love to myself. And it's been a real process, I would say, over the past five years of constantly, I'm, I'm not perfect because, you know, we live in a world that doesn't, doesn't help us prioritize ourselves and doesn't help us always put ourselves first, but I I'm learning to do it. And I realized after my mom died that I was enough. I had a lot of like abandonment issues with her and um, I, I managed to work through all of them and leave a lot of anger that I had had behind. And in doing so, I was able to wholeheartedly accept myself. And I share that experience with others because I know it's so easy to turn away from ourselves. It's, it's well, it seems like the easy thing to do, but at the end of the day, it's much harder. Maybe in the short term, it's more difficult to really do some deep soul searching and digging inside and looking at those, the parts of yourself that seem unlovable. But if you can face them in the long run, I think you're able to get a lot farther. And so I hope to be able to support people in showing them my journey and the journey of others um, who I share about in the work that I do. Uh, to show them that there is always light and darkness, that there is always the love you have for yourself. Uh, so that that's my story, maybe a long one, but of of finding finding the way towards towards loving myself. Yeah, I mean it's a lifelong journey to find yes. ways to love yourself, and I think it's an important one to share because we all have our own way of getting there, but they almost always involve painful situations and how we can overcome them and how we can use love to um, survive and thrive afterwards. And yes. suicide is, is, it's one of these experiences that a lot of people go through and, and it's hard, you know, it's a yes. very, it's a painful one. And people don't talk about it. Um, and I didn't talk about it for the first few years, um, which is also one of the reasons I do what I do, because I think it causes, it's a subject that brings up so much shame. And I know it did for me. And that was, it was very hard to hold both that shame and love myself, you know? So 
I think in talking about it, and even if it's scary, putting the feelings on the table, naming the elephant in the room, we're able to, to really let go of that shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, were you able to, did it bring it close, closer to other members of your family? Yes, it did. And I would say most of all, it changed, well, it changed my relationship to people in general, mm-hmm. uh, that I sought much deeper connection with people. And it's, I mean, even today, it's like super hard for me to just have a superficial conversation. Like I much prefer these kind of conversations, you know, yeah. that's more my element. Um, and even, even with my children, uh, both my daughters, I am much more present in every single moment. And I also try to be an example for them of self-love. And it even comes down to the language I use. So I, for much of my life, I had a complex that I was too heavy. Um, and, and there are times like I have, you know, abdominal fat, right. And, and that's where, that's where it gathers on my body. And there are times when, you know, I'm like trying to struggle to button up my pants and I'm very mindful even when there's the voice inside me that comes up and is like, Ooh, Erica, you know, your stomach's getting a little fat, whatever it is, the ways that we speak to ourselves, because a lot of us do it and we can't control it all the time. I'm very mindful not to voice that in front of them. And I try, I try to, when I speak to myself in front of them, to speak to myself with love, to set an example for them and also to let them know that I love them unconditionally mm-hmm. when they're, you know, acting out, when they're sitting in a chair and being all peaceful and meditating, or when they're, you know, hitting each other, you know, I love them all the time. It's unconditional. So, and I talk about that a lot with them. So I would say that's the way in which it definitely has made my relationships much, much deeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You begin to appreciate life in a different way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a friend that committed suicide and it was so shocking. And yes. And it really made me feel like you just don't really know what's going on in people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Like what's what's people's inner struggle, even the people that are closest to you, because everyone kind of has a has a a mask or or how they present to others when internally they may be having something else entirely going on for yes. them, and that made me realize to have to give people more grace because we mm-hmm. just really just don't know what people are going through. Yes, um, that's so true. So that was yeah. one of and my... stranger strangers too, that you exactly, know, if we, yeah. someone bumps into bumps into us on the street and yells at us, you know, maybe the first reaction would be, "Geez, what's wrong with them?" You know, and to be angry. Right. But then, if you think again, you think, "Well, you don't really know what's going on there." You know, maybe right. they just lost somebody. Maybe they they tried to commit suicide this morning. I mean, you just you don't know what's right. going on in someone's life. So you're so right, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's you know, when I think about working on judging people and having a certain level of like, people should be doing this and having expectations of how people should live. I always have to remind myself of my friend. Like I didn't know what was going on for her. And, you know, and, and so there's so much going on for so many people all the time that Mm -hmm. allowing more, allowing more grace and compassion is such a, loving act because we just 
don't know. Absolutely. And that, and you creating a loving act for somebody, giving them that space could save mm-hmm. their life that day. Yeah. Or it's whatever. so true. You know, cause they could maybe having a bad day and they're like, everyone sucks the whole world's terrible. And here you are offering them a smile. Yeah. Totally it can everything. be as something as simple as that. Um, it can be, you know, coming over to, to do someone's nails or making them a cake or, you know, washing their hair, whatever it is, it can be, or, or just like you said, just a smile, just one little simple thing that can totally, totally change someone's day and maybe life. Yeah. Like those random acts or deliberate acts of kindness, even if they're small to huge, I think that's kind of, they can be so healing and transformative for, for others. And I think we just take them for granted and Mm -hmm. I'm always kind of trying to be mindful of that because, you know, you're driving around, people act crazy and you have to, I always have yeah. to say, well, I don't know what this person's day was like. They had, they must've been having a bad day or, because when you're in pain, you release pain. Like you, you know, hurt people, Absolutely. hurt people. Right. Yes. So it's like, you, you, I always have to put things in that perspective. Like, oh, something must be going on for this person. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Because I don't know if everyone's deliberately mean. I just, you know, I think and even people that mm-hmm. are deliberately mean are still on a certain Probably level. hurting. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's their only way of communicating. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Their upset feelings. Yeah. So you do like a lot of stuff. I mean. Yes. You're like uh, a multi-passionate, <laughs> multi-passionate entrepreneur. Yes. Uh, I Well, in general, I'm, I... I'm always open to new experiences and I don't believe that we are meant to just do one thing. I mean, maybe some people might feel comfortable and that's their element, but even the people who do just one thing, I can bet you there's some other stuff they'd like to be doing Mm -hmm. and maybe they just don't do it. But I definitely, um, I would say in all of the business stuff that I've done, one big element, which is why I was really excited to come on your podcast has been like doing business through my heart and using my instinct and always trying to do what's right. Um, And that has led me to the right people in a lot of circumstances. And um, I'm, I, I very much trust what is put in front of me. And it has always more or less always led me to the, well, I would say maybe not always to a good place, good in the sense of, you know, it's not like everything I touch turns to gold. There were some mistakes and failures, but I accept them as, you know, they've taught me a lesson. That's the way things are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I've had experience in media. The company that I, I founded was a publishing company. We published magazines like a TV guide, um, a women's magazine. Then I was a a TV news journalist and I have a shoe company and a medical company and like an online school. Um, So there's lots of different things in addition to the podcast and uh, that that whole business, which, which is really the focus for me right now. The other things that I do are more passive things at the moment because of the fact that I have fabulous people who I work with, who are my partners and um, they work in the business day to day. Um, So it's, I find business exciting in the sense that you can learn something totally new um, that 
you know, if you, let's say, meet somebody who says, oh, I'm looking for somebody to come into this business with me and I make natural cosmetics. I have a friend who does that. And I was considering, yeah, at some point doing something with her. In the end, we didn't. But in the process, I learned a lot of cool things. And I just think from that perspective, like you can just never be bored in business. (laughs) Um, So, so yes. And, and I also ride horses and, and I just, when I, I have an, a pull, I wanted to say urge, but it's more than an urge. It's a pull. When I have a strong pull to do something, I always investigate Mm -hmm. and see what's, see what's behind it. And sometimes it ends up being nothing, you know, and I test it, see, see whether or not it can work like those cosmetic, for example, which at the end of the day didn't work out. But sometimes, yeah, it leads to some pretty, pretty interesting places and experiences. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I, it's also it's nice to have that curiosity of just always like wanting mm-hmm. to explore and understand and constantly be growing. I think that's what keeps us young, at least keeps the mind yes. exercising, stretching. Yes. And, yeah. And, and I have to say that I was like in college, I was a liberal arts major and I not that I, I like ended up learning anything and ended up using anything that I learned in college because I didn't. Uh, but I always thought that I was more like of a creative type and I wasn't like a business person. And I kind of found myself accidentally starting that publishing company. And I ended up going to business school because I realized that I knew nothing about business, that like I didn't know how to read financial documents. I didn't know how to you know, I, I didn't know what people were saying to me. Um, so I, I did an MBA, which was really cool because I actually learned a lot of very useful things. And it was a very different perspective from when I had gone to college before. But what I wanted to say is that I learned to love numbers, even though I wasn't like super good at math when I was in school. Mm-hmm. I love numbers because they show you the whole story of a business. And if you have, you know, a good financial person who can prepare the numbers for you, like I'm able to look at them now and say, oh, this business looks good or, oh, let's cut this a little bit, add something here. And it's like a puzzle. And it's so cool to then see the changes you make, you know, take effect and positively influence, you know, your little baby, which is the business. So, yeah. yeah. And, and at the end of the day, like I said, like for me, any business that I've done, it's been really important to have those good vibes and good people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about your podcast, because that seems to be your major, your major focus. Yes. Right? yes. So thanks for asking. Um, the, the podcast is called Sir Thrival Diaries. So in the in the beginning, I was focused on the survive and the thrive part. So it was, I mean, the idea um, from the very beginning was about sharing stories about people having survived difficult moments, losses, heartbreaks, grief. And then having thrived and how did they do that? And the tips that they share um, with the listeners, uh, hopefully help the listeners not only get inspired, but be able to apply them uh, in their own lives. And I also share my story as well. And I realized after a few episodes that, in fact, the second part of the, the title, Diaries, is equally as important because just like this conversation we're having here. I mean, people really bear their souls and um, tell a lot of, talk about a lot of very 
personal difficult things. And I think it's so beautiful um, that people, people share that. And I think it can really mm, positively affect someone's life. Maybe there's a conversation that can change someone's life. You know, maybe there's one sentence someone says that, you know, sparks, sparks a fire in somebody to, to change. I know that I've been affected many times by whether it's something I read or a podcast. And there are some moments when all a person needs is like a little tap and the ball, you know, just goes rolling down the hill. Uh, so, so that's, that's the podcast. I hope one day to write a book that's, that's in the plans and I'm doing some, uh, coaching training, but that is not yet, um, an offer. I mean, I'm still, I'm still working on that. So the podcast is indeed the absolute main focus for me, right, right at this very moment. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously I love podcasting, (laughs) um, (laughs) But it's a really great way to communicate to others. I think sharing stories of pain and triumph, I think, are so mm-hmm. important for people to hear, especially in the in the times that we're living in now, where yes. it feels like the world is just going crazy. And I mean, there's hope, but I think you have to kind of look for it. I think people mm-hmm. are just in an emotional turmoil. And so I think it's important for them to hear positive stories of transformation. Mm-hmm. And also to just know you're not alone. Like even yeah. if, even if you can't see, you know, the silver lining in your story, but just to know that, you know, someone else has been there, has experienced the same thing mm-hmm. and can show you the transformation yeah. in, in retrospect. Um, but just to know that, that what you're feeling is normal, you know, and you're not going crazy and it will pass and everything is really temporary. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to, I mean, I, we all know that in our mind, but man, when we're in it, it's so, yes. it's so challenging yes. to mm-hmm. know that to, you have to confirm it's temporary. It's like, yes. It's like, the day it's like the night it's going to transition into something else it's not going to be here forever yep exactly but it is hard and I mean they I I struggle some days with feeling worse like physically on a very physical level Mm -hmm. and sometimes it feels just so bad I just want to crawl in bed and not get up I mean like just because everything hurts and I have no energy and then I just tell myself like just yeah like I relax my body, take a few deep breaths and just tell myself, Erica, you know, this, it always happens. Like, you know, you'll feel like this for a few days and then, then it will pass. It'll go away. And, and it does, it does, it gets better. Maybe sometimes it gets worse for, for a few moments. And it's the same thing with, with sadness or uh, even anger and happy moments and, and, and happy, let's say, quote unquote, positive feelings as well. They also pass. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think this was a world of transitions and extremes and contrast and just finding our way through these um, extreme situations and how we can. Yes. And I think that's why love is so important, because I feel like that is a space where you can change your reaction mm-hmm. or, how, or how you are in any given situation. So it could be yes a bad situation, a good situation, stressful, not stressful, but finding your center can mm-hmm. always give you a presence of mind to be present and to always Mm -hmm. find a, to choose to be loving and kind to yourself and to others around you. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that you've, you've mentioned this and 
uh, I'm sure you're a fan, but Marianne Williamson and her return to love. And then the original course in miracles, Mm -hmm. it says that we always have a choice to either act out of love or fear. And those, those are the only choices we have like that. That's, or that is the only choice we have in every given moment. And it's so true. Like it all comes down to acting out of love or acting out of fear. And anytime we act out of love, there is no room for any of the fearful, negative, angry thoughts and feelings because they just can't coexist with that acting yeah, out of love. Exactly. And it's just, it takes a practice. It takes practice. I think that's the mm-hmm. thing. It takes a lot of practice to come from a place of love, especially yes. when you don't understand what love is. I think a lot of mm-hmm. us have to start to understand, okay, what is love? What does it feel like? Because most of us experience conditional love. Like, I love yes. you if you do this. I love you. I'll take this away. And so I think there's a lot of unlearning what love is and how you can apply mm-hmm. it in your life that doesn't necessarily look like a romantic or familial situation. Mm-hmm. Since so many of us only can really think about love in those two extremes. But then it's like the love mm-hmm. from friends, the love from the divine, if you believe in a higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. like or even thinking about love as an energy. So I feel like mm-hmm. once people can get a grasp of what love feels, like what unconditional love feels for them, then it becomes a lot easier to then be like, oh yeah, I want to extend this to others. And I want to yes. be in a state of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we can only love others as much as we love ourselves. And it's yeah. so true. Mm. yeah it's hard to it's hard to give to others when we can't give to ourselves and I think for me when you know when I hear people say that I'm always I kind of think about it in a way that it's hard to to, um, offer someone compassion if you don't have any compassion for yourself yes right so I think that's where the loving yourself comes in because I think when I used to hear that word, I when I used to hear that phrase, oh, you have to love yourself. I used to be like, well, what does that really mean? But mm-hmm. in practice, for me, what it feels like is, oh, not having so much judgment towards somebody else, giving somebody mm-hmm. more grace, having more empathy, yes. treating others the way I wish someone would treat me. Mm-hmm. You know, and then those yeah. are the in those action moments then I would be like, oh, this is where I, I, this is where I love myself because I'm not Mm going to treat somebody like poorly because I don't want anyone to treat me that way. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like, it took me a long time to actually have it be an actionable thing other than Mm -hmm. just being like, oh yeah, I love myself. Like, yeah, you know, oh, I love myself. (laughs) Like, you know, that's good too. Yeah. But for me, it feels more like it's an everyday thing because some every day, Mm -hmm. all of us have situations where we can choose to be kind or we can choose to not be kind. I mean, it could be being on, being on phone call, being on hold. We all Mm -hmm. get annoyed when we have to be on hold. You're calling the phone company. We're on hold. And we're like, Oh God. And then somebody, somebody picks up the phone and they speak another language. They have an accent. You don't know what they're saying. It's so frustrating. And you're like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like we all have those moments and we just want to like shake the phone. And in those moments, like, I feel like that's like when you want to be a loving person, it's like life is like here, this is an Mm -hmm. opportunity, right? Yeah. So those are the moments where, you know, choosing um, love over fear, over annoyance or whatever the negative emotion is, is that's, that's where 
that's where the rubber hits the road, as they say. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's when it really is like, okay, for this sure. Is happening. And it takes practice. It takes practice yeah. every single day. You know, it's a commitment. And so, yeah. I think I mean, of it like working a muscle, you know, right. like, I mean, lifting weights. Mm-hmm. Right. And you get better at it. Right. And you can pick up more mm-hmm. weights and you can pick up more weights because yep. you're practicing all the time, right? You can't just yep, exactly. all of a sudden deadlift 300 pounds having never lifted yeah. a barbell ever, you know? <laughs> even if you don't if you even know what that means, you know, like, you know, lifting <laughs> weights. I mean, I love lifting weights actually, but um, it's one of those things where it was really intimidating in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so I think love is the same thing. Like it's intimidating for a lot of people to be in love, to fall in love. Mm-hmm. Just the whole concept can be very painful for so many of us. Absolutely. I think it's, I mean, loving somebody truly and completely and being loved truly and completely is really bearing your soul. I mean, it's showing them the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, mm-hmm. everything. Right. Um, and opening yourself up to potentially be hurt because that's that's a certain, I mean, possibility. Huge possibility. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and being okay with that, you know, accepting that that is a possibility. I know it's not easy (laughs) because I feel like getting your heart broken is like, feels like death. It's very, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And most people don't recover from a heartbreak. Mm -hmm. You know, I know. Well, I think a part of you, like I said in the beginning, I mean, I honestly do not believe that you, like, if you really love somebody, I don't think like I said, you're not maybe in love with them, but there's a part of you, a part of your heart that's always theirs. Mm -hmm. And I think when that heartbreak occurs, I mean, yeah, that, that part just, you know, stays right there. I don't know if I I always picture it like hung on like a little Christmas tree, you know, (laughs) and you know, you'll never get that piece back. It's just, but it's theirs and, and the good, the bad, whatever is in that little ornament um, just is. Yeah. But heartbreak is certainly it's hard to open up after that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And it's interesting because I feel like there's such a strong connection between emotions and our physical body. And mm-hmm. so I feel like huge emotional situations like that almost always manifest in something physical. And yes. so it's, um, and for some people that's it, you know, then they focus on that. And it's, so the physical pain becomes more of a tangible pain than the emotional yes. pain. So then their whole mm-hmm. life revol- revolves around dealing with this emotional thing, this physical thing, like going to the doctors, dealing yes. with all of that. Well, that's, it's really interesting because I mentioned that, you know, I have some days where I feel worse and now it's, it's really, the, the, those are far and few between, but the day my mom died, my thyroid switched off. And I didn't know that it had switched off. And I mean, I had done because my, my health had, you know, I I had trouble before that when my daughter was born and I did a lot of tests and I knew that I had some potential autoimmune flags, but you know, I was still going strong and her death was so, it was such heartbreak that my body, like it just stopped, you know, it just, it it was like, no, (laughs) we're not doing this. And, and it's very interesting that you just said that because it was a total manifestation of the heartbreak. And, um, I went to the doctor like three weeks after my mom died and my TSH, which measures, you know, your, your thigh, how active your thyroid hormones are, because if it's high, then your hormones are really low. My TSH was like super high. And the doctor was like, 
how are you even alive in my room? And I said, I don't, I actually really don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. because I feel like death. And, and I did. And so it was, it, it was just, and the thyroid obviously is responsible for keeping your body going, right. right. Um, for keeping the things on high, let's say, uh, high RPMs. And I was totally, you know, my RPMs were super low. So it was also very much concentrating on that for quite a while. But I also had a revelation this morning, actually, that um, I don't know if you've heard of like the four, let's say four types of people. There's the carer, the sick person, uh, the perfect person and uh, the rebel. It's like kids play these roles in families. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely the carer. And I had a revelation that I believe that a lot of my health troubles were also trying to get me to finally take care of myself mm-hmm. and not everybody else. So definitely super tied the the emotional stuff and the heartbreak and the stuff we experience, the difficult things are so very much tied with, with our bodies. Yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, it's not, it's, it's inseparable. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's important for people to realize. And I think sometimes when you get a health crisis, sometimes people don't put the emotional situation. Mm-hmm. They don't act, they don't think about it because now you're dealing yes. with this physical problem. And sometimes that is the underlying issue to deal with. Cause I feel like you can take, you can drink the green juices, do the yogas the meditation, yep. the journaling, you can do all of that do all mm-hmm. the treatments, everything. And you're still not getting better. And it's really because mm-hmm. it's an underlying emotional aspect that hasn't been healed. And yes. once that's healed then everything else can fall into place. And I think that's where the love comes in into that, mm-hmm. that healing those emotional pains, because that's to me where the true healing happens. It's like, all, yes. and of course, doing all the other things, right? Making sure you drink the drinks yes. and exercise mm-hmm. and do all that. But without that love piece and healing that emotional pain, I feel like it, then For it, sure. it doesn't really, doesn't really shift. And mm-hmm. I've no, I know that in my life, that's been consistent. Like if I am doing my health stuff and I'm feeling a certain way, and then all of a sudden an emotional aspect hasn't been addressed, mm-hmm. it's like the missing piece. And then all of a sudden my health looks completely different. Yes. Once mm-hmm. that piece is put into place. So, and Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those elements that's never really included enough in people's healthcare. So true. Right. Because they always put it to the side. They're like, oh yeah, I go to the, I go see a psychiatrist or whatever. Like they separate it. And I'm like, there's no separation because we all know what it's like to eat food from our our mother or grandmother that loves us. Right. As opposed to going to a restaurant to eat dinner. It's like a totally different experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) You know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes it love makes such a big difference in everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's get into Very the yeah. um, infinite love questions. So the first one yes. is how do you express love in your work? Mm-hmm. I express love in my work because, and, and I'm talking about the podcast here. I, I literally, and maybe you feel a similar way, but like when I record, I, feel like I'm talking to my best friend and I literally feel love for whoever is listening and I want to be tender with them and 
share my secrets and like not hold anything back to literally like almost, this might sound a little weird, but like almost give of myself like a mother gives to her child. I mean, and and not to say that they're my child, but that's the kind of, I would say, selfless giving that's maybe easy to imagine. And so it's a, let's say, selfless giving of myself to be able to help help others and helping others because I'm the, I'm the carer and I was always the carer that, 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 that has been my role forever. And obviously there's some things about that role that maybe aren't so good for me that, you know, once, once I became conscious of it, I was able to change certain, certain dynamics, but in general, as a carer, I just, I just really love like seeing people transform their lives and make changes and get better and feel happy and feel love and like start to be inspired. So that is, that is definitely the way in which I show love in my work. Mm -hmm. Nice. Where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Hmm. Well, I kind of, I mentioned this because I said that um, I had a lot of like abandonment issues with my mom because she divorced my dad when I was one and a half and she moved away. And it was their agreement that I would live with my dad for the first 10 years and then I would live with my mom. But as a child, I thought that she left me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was one and a half. You couldn't tell me, oh, your mom's just, she went to California. You know, you're going to see her, you know, in a few months and don't worry, she still loves you. And she thinks about you all the time. I mean, in my mind, she was just gone. Um, and, you know, later she would say, oh, but I cried every night, you know, and I missed you. And I was like, well, you know, what good did that do me <laughs> when I was one and a half? So there was a lot of anger related to, in general, her always seeming to make the choice that didn't serve my best interest. And whether it was being a workaholic and choosing career over uh, over family multiple times. And like I said, not acting in my best interest. There was just so much, so many very difficult emotions. And after she died, I was finally able to forgive her. And I was finally able to, I think I had enough. I understood after she died, why some people actually choose to have a period of time where they don't speak to their parents or a sibling or somebody in their life where they need to create some distance. Because I don't think I would have been able to do that if I had been in constant contact with her. Because she would call me like every day. Um, and we would speak, I mean, sometimes I would call her as well, but like, if I didn't, she always would. Um, and so it was very, the contact was super intense. And in that space, I was able to find forgiveness and which completely changed my relationship with her, even though she wasn't alive when that happened. Yeah. So it's, it, it was, I didn't know that you could do that, you know, after somebody's death transform your relationship with them, but that is actually what happened. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. The next question is what is the most compassionate act someone has done for you? Oh gosh, that is a good question. Uh, hmm. 
I don't think I've ever, ever, ever thought about that. I, I think, hmm, honestly, like nothing <laughs> comes to my mind. I, I, I would say maybe, especially in the beginning of my life with my father, like he, he did treat me with such compassion and he treated me with such love and he wasn't perfect because nobody is. I'm not a perfect parent. Neither was he. And, um, but in general, he, he was just so good to me. And I would say that like for, for most of my life, I felt really loved by him and treated with great compassion by him. And I would say that was, yeah, one of the, one of the, true times in my life when I, when I did feel that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Nice. What do you love most about your life? About my life? Well, I mean, aside from my daughters who are the most amazing, I would say little beings, little gifts that, that I've, I've received in my life. I, I love the fact that I'm always like open to anything. And I live in Spain now, but I, I don't know. I've had Florida on my mind lately and I'm like, Ooh, should I go to Florida? Like, and, and, and I, I could totally go to Florida. You know I mean? I just, I'm totally open to it. So like, if that's where I should go, I'm like counting on some sign coming or something showing me that that's the direction I I'm open to try new things. I am open to yeah, learn new things, meet new people. So I would say it's the sense of, you said curiosity, it's curiosity and adventure and the fact that in being completely open to whatever, to whatever, like I, I don't know what my life will look like in three years. It could look completely different and that's totally cool. Yeah. Oh, I love that. How do mm -hmm. you receive love? Oh, I am definitely because there's the the love languages right the the five languages of love i don't have, have you read that book uh no but i've yeah. done i've heard about no. it and done the online okay. quiz and all that yeah i think i think you'd like it a lot um but definitely like words of affection and and time um i i love when people take time you know just to just to be with me and uh tell me tell me kind things. I mean, definitely those are ways in which, in which I receive love. So like, even for example, when we get, when we finish and my daughters will ask me, Oh, how was your, you know, podcast? And, and that to me is love. Like, you know, just, just asking, saying something kind. Um, definitely. Nice. And my last question is where has love created a miracle in your life? Hmm. Where has love created a miracle? I would say the miracle to me that love has created is there always being some light and hope, like even in the darkest moments. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's as simple as that really uh, just that to me, that is a miracle. I mean that no matter how bad things get, that there always is that one teeny little sliver of light if you choose to see it. And 
maybe that is looking through the love tinted glasses rather than the fear tinted glasses, but that is your choice. And yeah, that, that to me is just quite miraculous. Beautiful. Well, this has been such a gorgeous conversation. Thank you so much. How can people connect with you, find out about your podcast and be part of your world? Thank you for asking. Uh, my podcast, uh, again, is Sir Thrival Diaries, and that is my handle pretty much anywhere. I'm most active on Instagram, but I'm also on Facebook. So just at Sir Thrival Diaries. And um, they can also find me on my website, which is SirThrivalDiaries.com. And I also have an email, which is just hello at SirThrivalDiaries.com. So if anyone wants to say hello, let me know if there's something that they particularly liked out of our conversation. I'd be happy to, to, to talk. Great. Well, thank you again for, for being on the podcast. Um, we appreciate your time and your energy and of course your love. Thank you so much, Corinne, for having me. Thank Bye. you. Welcome. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.